Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Maple Grove. I can almost hear you back right now. Hey, give it up for both of our campus. Put your hands together. It's good to be one church with two locations this morning. And uh, hey, it's a great weekend. I even heard the birds are coming back. They're chirping this morning. I, I didn't hear them yesterday, and I didn't hear them the day before that, but they know when it's warm out too, I think. And uh, I get so much more encouraged when uh, it just gets a little bit warmer outside. So I'm excited about that. Hey, uh, yesterday, um, there was a bunch of Emmanuel people that uh, gathered together with other believers and, and friends of Liz Shepherd. And I talked a few weeks ago about uh, the run for Lizzie Strong. And uh, around the country, there were over 1,200 runners yesterday. 120 in the country of India gathered together around it. And so far, as of 5 o'clock yesterday afternoon, $42,000 has already come in as a, as a goal. And yeah, go ahead and put your hands together. You're like, I'll tell you what it was for here in just a second. Uh, it, it was is to one of the causes for Liz that she cared about is rescuing girls out of the uh, sex trafficking industry and caring about kids uh, on the other side of the planet, not just you know, next door, although it's happening everywhere. And so uh, they, they're close to their goal. Their goal is 60,000 and still coming in. And uh, Jody and I, we walked slash ran, ran slash walked around Lake Calhoun. And that was a lot of fun. And we saw so many people. It was like a family reunion. Saw many people that, uh, well, Liz was a girl in our youth group back in the day when I was a youth pastor. And so many of the people that were there, they're all grown up now. But uh, we got to connect and that was a lot of fun. So, hey, I just was, I, coming off of that, I was thinking, you know, anything is possible. If I could do 4.11 miles, I could do 5.11 miles. I'll think about it for a while, then maybe I'll try to do it. I also want to mention one other thing. Uh, many uh, ladies got handed an invitation to something that's coming up here on Friday, April 22nd. And uh, there's a, our women's event, She Is Loved, coming up, and Tammy Trent will be with us. And... I know my wife and a number of the, her team are working together and preparing for that. And ladies, you're invited. Love to have you there. I might even show up, like, under the cloak of secrecy and uh, just to watch and see what happens. I'm excited about it. How many have your Bibles? Let me see your Bibles. Put them up, electronic, paper, whatever version you got. All right. Put it down. Get ready to use it. We're gonna we're gonna dive into the word here today, and I want I want you to consider this question. The title of our series is "So You Believe in Jesus." Now what? I think it's a critical question because there are many people that believe. They believe in Jesus. They believe in the risen Savior. They believe in the coming resurrection because we believe. They believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. But belief alone does not change a life after belief. In other words, once you've given your life to Christ, belief is one thing, action's another. And, and I, I happen to think that there are many people, they receive salvation from Jesus and they're like, all right, so what do I do with it now? And maybe they've been serving the Lord for a number of years or, or even a number of months and you're like, okay, I got that, I got the t-shirt, uh, what do I do now? 
And I think we should consider in that journey where we're going. What do we want to be? Last week we looked at what every day could look like if, if Jesus became a part of our journey in an everyday fashion. And First uh, Peter 2.21 said, For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. And so we talked about every day we have crossroads, moments of decision about whether or not we're going to invite Jesus to be a part of different moments. Uh, I put up a, a picture this week of my WWJD bracelet on Facebook of me in front of the refrigerator and trying to decide, trying to decide what am I going to do? And I had a whole bunch of people weigh on and they're like, go left, the ice cream tastes good. And you know, other people are saying different things. No, go to the vegetables on the right. Jesus would only eat healthy or something like that. Now that sounds silly and in, in, to a large degree, I don't think that Jesus gets involved in minute decisions about everything, but our hearts need to be in a position, an orientation towards receiving guidance from Jesus because Jesus really does want to be a part of every part of our life. Hey, turn to the person next to you and say, Jesus wants to be with you. Today, today the title of my message is free. Uh, it was just a number of years ago that uh, I was, we were on a family vacation down to Orlando. And I don't know how many of you have ever been to Orlando or to a vacation spot. And uh, there's all kinds of fun stuff, sun, warm, uh, water, Disney World. It's a, it's, a, it's a great place. And while you're on vacation and you don't have to work, and uh, the food is good, and, and uh, everything's taken care of you. If you're in a hotel, somebody else makes your bed. And, um, it, it, just, it kind of feels like awesome. And I remember I was driving down the road uh, with my family, and I looked up, and there was a sign about a, a Disney thing that was coming up. They were building Celebration City, and, and it said, The destination your soul has been longing for. And I, I have to tell you, I've kept that in my brain because that is not the destination that my soul is longing for. I love Florida and I love the sun and I love the water and I love all of the fun stuff, but that's not the destination my soul longs for. You know, you can get everything you want. You can have the biggest car. You can have the promotions you wanted, the, the dreams that you wanted in and, and, and relationships. You can have everything you want and still not have what your soul is longing for. Can I get an amen? And when it comes to the future, I'm going to ask you a question. Many of you have financial goals. You've got dreams about what you're going to do. You, some people I know plan their vacations for the next two and three years. And they, they line them out and they're excited. And by the way, that's not a bad thing. If you're planning your next vacation, you can work hard until the next one. That's not a bad thing. But there's plans in our lives for a whole set of things. But what's your plan for your journey with the Lord? Are you going to grow in your faith? What's your soul really searching for? What are you pursuing? And I, I don't know that we give enough time to what we want our soul to look like and feel like. And, and what, what, what do we want to become in Jesus? What are you hoping to do? What's your next frontier? Do you have any goals? Have you reached the destination that your soul has been searching for? And then how do you gain more of the fruit of the Spirit? I mean, I don't know about you, but I want to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. I want the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness, the self-control. I want, I want that to grow in my life. I want to gain more of that. But I also want to lose some things. Anybody else? 
There's some things I want to lose, some things that I just like, you know, in my future, I would like to not have that in my future. So we need to think about it. Jesus says that there is a whole lot more possible as we follow him. And I want you to turn with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. This morning, I'm going to be reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version, but you can follow along in your translation or your version that you're reading from. Jesus in John chapter 8 has been speaking to a crowd that was relying on the law and doing things right and being perfect and doing everything right. And Jesus is confronting that and he's saying, my goal for you is not to be religious. My goal for you is to not be perfect. My goal for you is to be free. Anybody here want to be free? So in John chapter 8 verse 31, it says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You will be free indeed. I want you to consider a few things that Jesus said in there. He said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Now, going back to last week, talking about the process of following in the steps of Jesus. If you want to have a future where your spirit, your soul grows and you get rid of the stuff you don't want, you cannot be Jesus' disciple without abiding in his word. Now, I've said this several different ways and I'll continue to do it until Jesus returns. It is essential that you and I read the word. Daily. If we're going to be Jesus' disciple daily, then we have to read his word daily. Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, you'll abide in my word. Now, some people have all kinds of excuses about why they don't read the word. Maybe you're just reading is not your thing in general. You don't read anything. But you could listen to the word. Nowadays, there's plenty of apps where you can play it. The Bible app, which is free, you can pick your translation and listen to the word while you drive to work instead of that other stuff that you listen to. You can listen to it while you do your hair. Some of you may take hours. You got a lot of words you can get into during that time. Some of you are like, I don't do my hair. There isn't any there. There's plenty of time for you to read the word. And I, if you don't know what to read, there's Bible reading plans online now. There's plenty of options for you. But if you are Jesus' disciple, you will abide in his word. Read it. Turn to the person and say, you better read it. <laughs> Secondly, Jesus says, you'll get to know the truth and the truth will set you free. People have quoted this often and they've tried to say the truth is uh, justice or the truth is 
uh, knowledge and the truth is, and they come up with their own thing. It doesn't even have to be in the church, but Jesus isn't talking about just any truth. He's talking about himself. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the light. So he's talking about himself. These people he's talking to knew the law. They knew the word. They knew the rights and wrongs. And Jesus is saying, but you don't know the truth yet. Until you know the truth, you're not going to be free. You've got all these rules and yet you are so bound up that you are not nice to be around. Anybody ever been around somebody uptight? Jesus is talking to them. He's saying, you don't have to be uptight. Some people go like one end of the spectrum or the other. They're either uptight, religious, stodgy, and nobody wants to be around them. Or they're so free doing whatever they want that they themselves are bound up to sin and nobody wants to be around them either. Or at least the people that do want to be around them aren't going in the same direction that they need to go. So what I'm saying is Jesus is offering an opportunity for us as we follow him in the future So you believe in Jesus now? Now it's time to be free. Now, if you want to know Jesus, if you want to know him, you need to learn to pursue him. Moses, one of the greatest figures in all of the scripture, probably the greatest figure in the Old Testament. Moses has led the people of Israel and uh, brings them out of slavery into the promised land. Throughout his life, he led the people of Israel. And I love this passage in Exodus 33. He's got a, a friendship relationship with God. And this is what Moses said to God in Exodus 33:13. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. So he says this, he says, teach me your ways so I may know you. If you want to know someone, then you're going to go through a process. And let me give you three steps to knowing someone. Three steps to knowing someone. This will include God, of course. But if you want to know someone, the first step is precepts. You get to know the basics about the person. That could be the laws, the rules, the basic information. If I'm meeting somebody and I don't know you from anybody, I go, what do you do? Well, I work at, where do you live? What do you, and I'll begin to find out basic information about you. You may ask me the same kind of questions. In reality, I don't know you yet and you don't know me yet. We've got your name and your information and we're beginning to understand who you are. That's the first level. And let me just say this. When it comes to knowing God, the first level of information is the word. You begin to understand what he does. There's a lot that's in there. You may have to pursue it, but God's plan is for parents to teach their kids who God is. So he wants us to teach our kids who God is so they may know him someday, right? Now, many of us in here, we did not receive the mentoring we wanted from our parents. And maybe we didn't get the right kind of view of God. But let me just say this. Our God concept, our concept of God is our model of our parents becomes a children's child's picture of who God is. Your God concept really comes from your family of origin. So how you think about God, first of all, came from somewhere along the line how you were raised. Now, some people are getting really quiet in here right now. But let's just think about it. However your parents treated you and how you felt about the environment that you grew up in, you will project on God. How else do you know him? 
And this is why a disciple has to move away from just the way they knew God to begin to know God in the present tense and to pursue him. Our concept of God comes from our parents. And parents, they start with rules like, you can't do this, no. Basic life rule, don't touch the stove, it'll burn you. And the kid doesn't understand it, but the parent is teaching them that. And the parent is teaching them the rules, okay? And the starting place for who, with God is his do's and his don'ts. In uh, Exodus chapter 20, the 10 commandments. And there's a bunch of commandments. Let me just go through them right now. Number one, no other gods before me. Two, no graven images or idols. Three, don't take God's name in vain. Four, keep the Sabbath day holy. Five, honor your father and mother. Six, don't kill people. Seven, don't commit adultery. Eight, don't steal. Nine, don't lie or bear false witness. Ten, don't be jealous and want other people's stuff. Okay? So God gives these laws. Do they know him yet? No. But he tells them what his do's and don'ts are. It's a formal introduction or basic information about God. It's like meeting somebody for the first time. If all you know is the Ten Commandments and the rules, you're only starting to know God. There are people that I meet all the time. They're like, you know, I go to church and stuff, Pastor Nate, but, but you guys got so many rules. I'm tired of the rules. And, you know, inevitably I'll start asking them questions about their family and what they grew up in and how do they come across knowing God. And if all they got was rules, they may have never gotten the personhood of God. But it is the starting point, okay? It is the starting point. Secondly, if you want to get to know somebody, it's the principles. Everybody said principles. It's the why behind the rules. So, it, for example, number six was don't kill people. Do not kill. How many think that's a good rule? Okay? But if you really look for the principle behind the rule, why, why is God giving us that rule? Because God has a principle of respect. He cares about people. He, he wants us to know um, and it's not okay to off people that you wanted dead because they, they ticked you off. And, and it teaches, in a sense, God is teaching us his character or his ways as it came out of Exodus chapter 33. Our ways are a road, a path, a journey, a manner, a habit. If you want to get to know someone, you need to understand their principles or their ways. Why do they do what they do? A principle of respect from do not kill is important to understand because it teaches you about God's way and how he cares about people. God would never kill somebody because he woke up on the wrong side of the bed. God doesn't treat one person differently than another. And when you begin to understand God's ways, you begin to know, number three, his personhood. You begin to know him. That's God's plan for your life, to know him, not just about him. Moses said, teach me your ways so I may know you. In the New Living Translation, it says, please, if this is really so, show me your intentions so I will understand you more fully and do exactly what you want me to do. God, I want to know that I'm not having a bad day because you're angry with me. If God loves me, why can't I get my locker open? That's for teenagers. Or why am I broke? 
Well, why was I born into such a rotten family? Questions come into our head and we want to know, God, is this because you hate me? What is it? And Moses said, we, we need to ask, Lord, teach me your ways. So it's the precepts, the principles, and then you get to know the person. So Jesus says, know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If knowing Jesus equals freedom, how do we stay free? Back in John chapter 8, verse 32, it said, and if you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, they answered him, why? We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So the son sets you free. You will be free indeed. So if Jesus says that you are free, that that's a statement and the son sets you free. And there's lots of other uh, other statements like if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's a freedom that is promised where the old is gone and the new has come. We need to learn to live in that freedom, even though it's been pronounced, doesn't mean it's actually happening inside of us. In the uh, Civil War, there was a great time in the Civil War where at the conclusion of the Civil War, all these slaves in the South were set free. But there was a part in Texas where the news uh, uh, of the freedom for slavery for slaves did not reach them till months after the announcement. So there were states in the southeastern United States where the slaves are instant. The word went from town to town to town and the slaves were, former slaves were celebrating their freedom. And yet for months there were people still living in slavery in Texas because the word had not yet reached them. It finally reached them on June the 19th. And when it reached them on June the 19th, now there was a new proclamation. It was as if it finally reached the people. And there are people all over the United States that still celebrate the Juneteenth day, they call it. Juneteenth is a celebration of the freedom that it finally reached the people. Let me ask you a question. Jesus pronounced it 2,000 years ago. He won the victory on the cross. He rose from the grave. And he has pronounced freedom for all that would follow him. But has it hit you yet? Has the freedom hit you yet? Are you still living in slavery? Just because Jesus did it doesn't mean it's reached us yet. Even when we know it, we still have to live out this newfound freedom. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, Paul is talking to the church and he says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Paul is addressing a human nature issue. The, the reality that in the church, they keep going back to old things. They're falling into old stuff. They're playing their old songs, if you will. They're moving back and reverting to the roles that they had when they were still slaves to sin. And when it comes to slavery, a slave works for its master. A slave has no rights, and a slave is fed by the master. And Paul is saying, after all that Jesus has saved you out of, make sure that you don't go back to your old masters who were binding you up in slavery. And so this is an illusion back to also the time when Israel was under slavery in Egypt and and then they got delivered. And how many remember the 
the, the parting of the Red Sea and, and Israel goes across, but they're in the desert and they're being fed by the, ma- uh, the manna and uh, they're getting water from rocks and God is taking care of them. But there came a period of time when the Israelites longed to go back to where they were. Numbers chapter 11, turn there with me. Numbers chapter 11, you will see the picture and the story of what kind of went through the mind of the people during that time. Numbers 11, 4. It says, then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. And the people of Israel also began to complain, oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic that we wanted. But now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. See, in their former life, they were slaves, controlled by their Egyptian masters. Yes, they got food from them. They also got whipped and they had to make bricks without straw. And God had led them out of their slavery and led them by a cloud of fire at night. And, 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 and as they w- were delivered, they were provided this manna, a food that could be made into flat cakes. They, they had kind of ordinary food. It was Scandinavian food. <laughs> Our spices in Minnesota are salt and pepper. <laughs> And they're like, I want some of that fire from the south. I want some Louisiana cooking, you know. That's what they started longing for. And here God had set them free, but they didn't like it. And they start complaining, and they start remembering. You know, when you're tired of the same old, same old, your encouragement to whine will be right next to you. Somebody else will be right alongside you to help you whine. I think it's the greatest sin in the world, whining. <laughs> But there's something in us that we begin to verbalize. We liked it better. All the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And if you don't watch it, you'll be drawn into the slavery of your old master. In Egypt, they got all their food for free. The problem is that we can become codependent with our old master. Our old worldview. The operating system that we were handed prior to Christ. Well, that's just the way I am. That's the way my family was. And we can become codependent on our old master. The Israelites have been delivered from their Egyptian masters and find themselves wanting to go back. So I have a question for you today. What is your Egypt? What is your Egypt? I realize that I'm talking to many of my friends that knew me when I was single. You've been with me all these years at Emmanuel. You've been serving Jesus, perhaps volunteered and and taught Bible classes. I'm not just talking to immature people under the sound of my voice. I'm talking to people that have known the Lord. What's your Egypt? What's the thing that pulls you back? You long to go back. For some people, it's bitterness and unforgiveness. And we hold on to it. And every time we recite it or we think about it or we focus our mind's attention on it, it pulls us back to who we were prior to Christ. It pulls us back into the old slavery, the depression, the thoughts, the the, the lines that run through our head, the lies that come from some other uh, soundtrack that's not Jesus' soundtrack. And we long for those old things. 
But I know there's also people that go, I've, I've forgiven everybody. I'm, a, I'm a okay. I love Jesus. I like my job. I, I, I'm retired and I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Everything is terrific. Then I would ask you this question. Is your longing for days of old? Is your longing for things to be returned to what it used to be? That may be your Egypt. The only reason that we would look over our shoulder is to remember his goodness and his mercy of where he brought us from. But friends, let me tell you this. Jesus didn't call you to get delivered from Egypt, to have Egypt still inside of you. It's time for you to come out, begin to look towards the promised land and recognize God's got vision for you. Can I get an amen? I think that there's something in our soul that must be asking Jesus, what is your vision for my life? What's your vision for my family? Lord, where are we going? Help me grow toward your dreams for me. Let my dreams become bigger than my memories. So how do we get and stay free? I didn't even know I was going to start preaching this morning, but it just came out. How do we stay free? Let me give you three things. First, have amnesia about the past. Have amnesia about the past. Philippians 3.13, Paul says, I am still not all that I should be, but I am focusing all, everybody said all, all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. You're like, well, I can't forget everything. I, I don't think he, he's talking about the memory or the mental image that just goes away. There are things that will come back. What he's saying is I'm not going to concentrate all of my effort on those old things. I'm going to focus my attention on something new. I remember hearing about Clara Barton, who was the founder of the American Red Cross, and somebody had asked her because she had been uh, um, hurt and wounded and people turned her back, their backs on her. And they said, so how do, you, how do you still love people and care for people when so many people have disappointed and hurt you? And she said, I distinctly remembering forgetting those things. <laughs> what she was saying is, is that I made a conscious decision that that was not going to own my future. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 62, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. See, when we are able to release something, we own it. But if we can't release something, it owns us. Let me say it again. When we are able to release something, we own it. But if we can't release something, it owns us. If we can't release things, then it still owns us as we move forward. We need to move on past the place where it's weighing us down. And we cannot rehearse old lines of slavery. I can't change. It's too late for me. I'll always be this way. This is just who I am. It's too hard. I'm ugly. Nobody ever loves me. I'll always be rejected. God is tired of me. All of those are lies that we cannot carry forward because those are the voices of our old master sin itself. So I want you to ask yourself today, what thoughts keep me enslaved to behaviors I want to leave behind? What thoughts do I focus on and keep in front that keep me enslaved to things I really want to leave behind? 
2 Timothy 2.22 says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Paul just simply says, unplug the things that have power in your life that you, you don't need and begin to invest in those things will take you where you need to go. Secondly, what do you do? Seek to know the truth. Seek to know the truth. Now you got to get amnesia about the past, but now you need to begin to say, I want to know Jesus. Seek to know the truth. What does God say about you? About the life that he's called you to? Do you know? Maybe you need, this is why hunger for the word of God is a big deal. What does God really have to say about me? I don't know. I heard it in a song. Once in a while I hear Pastor Nate preach. Hearing me preach is not enough. You need to read the word so you can get to know God. It doesn't matter if you get to know me or not. You need to get to know God. What does God say about you? Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's learning to find out who he is and what he's wanting to do. Second Corinthians 5, 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Philippians 4, for I can do what? Everything through Christ who gives me strength. What does he say about me? These are the things that he says about me. So I focus on those things. What we believe about God shapes our behavior more than our willpower. Too many people walk out and say, I don't want to sin, I'm going to stop sinning. And then they get into trouble again because they're doing it through willpower. Maybe you need to stop the willpower thing and start the pursuit of the spirit of truth and get to know Jesus. He's the one that will give you the power. And the same power that was in him will be inside of you. You need to rewrite the script that you tell yourself every morning. Let me give you a little bit of challenge with this when it comes to seeking to know the truth. If you get to know him and believe in God, not just what about him, but you get to know him, then you can begin to see a different change take place in your life. And you have to change the script in your mind. Because remember, our God concept comes from our earlier part of our journey. And many times it's kind of overwrites our story. We hear a preaching and we get excited. We believe it. We come up for prayer in church or we get excited and we know that God is with us. And the very next day, all the other things that are going on in our life somehow are running in our brain and we're running the old script. Well, that's the old slavery script. So you need to replace it. What if you took some scriptures about what God says about you and you put them on your mirror in your bathroom? I am, I am a child of God. I am wonderfully and intricately made. And you begin to quote the scripture out and let that become the new script for your life and see if the old Egypt gets out of you. Because it's one thing to get out of Egypt, it's another thing to get Egypt out of you. And you need to do some work to move towards what God has for you. I'd love to see that, by the way. I wanna see some pictures of mirrors (laughs) down the road. Third, and I'm almost done. How do you get out of Egypt and how do you move towards being free? Humble yourself and let the spirit take over. I wanted to end this way today because the reality is you and I 
are not perfect, but we serve the one who is. And he is near to us and he cares about us. A man goes to heaven. This is fictitious, by the way, in case you're wondering. And of course, St. Peter meets him at the pearly gates. And St. Peter says, here's how it works. You need 100 points to make it into heaven. You tell me all the good things that you've done, and I give you a certain number of points for each item, depending on how good the item was. If you reach 100 points, you get in. (laughs) Okay, the man says, "Uh, I was married to the same woman for 50 years and never cheated on her, even in my heart. St. Peter says, that's wonderful. That's worth three points. Three points, he says. Well, I, I attended church all my life and supported its ministry with my tithe and my service. Terrific, said St. Peter. That's certainly worth a point. One point. Well, I started a soup kitchen in my city and I, and I worked a shelter for homeless veterans. And fantastic, Peter says. That's good for two more points. Two points, the man cries at this rate. The only way to get into heaven is by the grace of God. St. Peter smiled. There's your 100 points. Come on in. (laughs) You didn't get this far because you're good. You got this far because he's good. And he loves you for who you are. Galatians 3.3 Paul says, how foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? There's no replacement for the partnership that we have and the true freedom that comes from the relationship with the spirit. Jerk the cover off your weaknesses. Don't hide it. Bring it to God. Second Corinthians says each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in what? Weakness. See, when we humble ourselves, the freeing power of the Spirit is nearby. Confession opens the door to the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom. See, I believe, I believe that freedom is available even in stressful, packed lives. And I don't believe it's because you get perfect church attendance that you're free. There are a lot of religious people that are bound up. And by the way, religious bound up people are bothered by free people. There must be something wrong with them. They're doing something they shouldn't do. They shouldn't get away with that. Really, it's the people that humble themselves and just go, this is who I am. Lord, I'm sorry. I need you near me. My weakness may be my old stuff, the way I was trained, and now everything is in a downward spiral, and I'm wondering if God hates me. That's not your moment to go, something's wrong with me. That's your moment to go, Lord, I got an old script running through my mind, and I'm weak, and I need your help. And the Holy Ghost is right there. He's your friend. And he comes to those that are brokenhearted. He's near to the contrite in heart. He's close to you right there. If you want to be free, walk in a way in which your weaknesses are things you bring to the Lord, not push away. Come to the Lord and allow him to give you a spirit of freedom. Let me tell you this. When I feel bound up or under the control of other things from my old Egypts, and I come before the Lord, he breaks the chain. of of ties to the old and he frees me up and in the middle of a prison I can be free 
That's what Corey Tamboon could do in her family when they were hauled off in the Nazi Holocaust. She was free though she was behind bars and she was in prison in concentration camps. Why? Because being free in the spirit doesn't require having perfect conditions and circumstances. You can be free in the middle of the worst moment of your life if you allow the spirit to set you free. Come on, somebody. He is near. Our minds try to figure things out. We have control over ourselves and often we try to do it ourselves and wonder why don't we feel free. It's because the spirit is going, you ready for my help? There's a little boy who's out helping his dad with yard work and his dad asked him to pick up the rocks in a certain place in the yard and he looked over and he saw his son struggling to pick up a huge rock that was buried in the dirt and the little boy struggled and struggled and the dad was watching finally the boy gave up and said I can't do it and his dad asked did you use all of your strength and the little boy looked hurt and he said yeah daddy I, I used every ounce of strength that I have and the father smiled and he said no you didn't you didn't ask me to help and the father walked over and the two of them pulled that big rock out of the dirt together are you hearing what I'm saying today you can be free if he's with you you can experience him and you can know him some of us we're in that journey and all we know is his rules and I would just say this don't get mad at the rules seek to know the person behind the rules Seek to know what's going on there. Seek to know him. And as you know him, you'll discover his principles. And as you discover his principles, you're then going to lead to the person. And when you know him, you can trust him with everything. You stop looking to other things for your freedom. And you recognize the Holy Spirit is right with you right where you are. Would you stand with me today?